Welcome to the Lake Show Life Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jason Reed and Daniel Preciado. The wild NBA offseason has officially begun, uh, this time not in summer, in November as we head into Thanksgiving. Uh, kind of stealing the thunder from MLB's usual hot stove season, but uh, like every summer, doesn't matter what time of year it is, you know, NBA is going crazy. Countless rumors, so much player movement. Uh, the NBA as we know it is going to be turned on top of its head. Uh, teams that we thought were contenders last year might not be contenders next year. Teams that were contenders are even better heading into next year. Uh, there's been a lot. There's a lot of Lakers news to talk about. There's a lot of just NBA news to talk about. Daniel, throughout this crazy NBA news cycle, I just want to get your uh, – how are you feeling right now, digesting all this new information? Uh, I mean, in terms of the Lakers, I'm feeling good. I like I like to see I, – I like the rumors I'm seeing and what players are targeting and what they've actually done so far. Um, but overall, the NBA, man, the hot stove is always the best time. Like in the time leading up to the draft, free agency, it comes rapid fire. Like last year was a little bit differently, uh, worked a little bit differently with Kawhi, like extending out. Yeah, uh, his free agent process so long, but normally, man, these things they go. You know, one day you're getting a big trade, the next day, you know, a top guy maybe signs his max deal or whatever. Like it's a it's a really fun free agency. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say there's a big portion of NBA fans out there that like the off season as much, if not more, than they like the regular season. It's almost like. You know, you got the off-season buzz. Maybe that's number two. You got the playoffs and the finals, number one. You got the off-season buzz, number two. And then the regular season, number three. Because I'm going to be honest, you know, sometimes when it's the middle of February and we only have NBA games going on, it could get a little boring. You can get in a little bit of a lull. This is definitely uh, more exciting than your <laughs> average February Thursday night NBA game. So it, it's a good time mm-hmm. to be an NBA fan, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. As far as the Lakers are concerned, uh, they've only really made one official, you know, big move, if you want to even call it a big move. I think it's a big move. Uh, that is trading Danny Green in the 28th overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft, which is tomorrow at the time of recording this. Uh, trading that for Dennis Schroeder of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Daniel, first and foremost, are you proud of me for pronouncing his name correctly? I am. I really am. <laughs> I know you were expecting me to say Schroeder. I know you were. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I used to call him Schroeder for the longest time, and then I started hearing announcers when he was with the Hawks uh, called Dennis Schroeder, and then I realized that he was German, and I'm like, oh, it, you know, it makes more sense. Yeah, um, I was practicing in the mirror on that one, so uh, I didn't want to mess <laughs> that one up. Uh, just what do you think of this trade, though? I want to get your take on it first and foremost. I think it's pretty good, man. I've always been a fan of Schroeder's game. Uh, I think he, you know, he'll add that really, really solid bench presence, kind of lead the uh, the second unit off the bench offensively. He's actually made really significant strides defensively too. He used to be kind of just one of those one-dimensional, like almost like a Lou Williams type of player, mm-hmm. where you just bring him off the bench. He provides a lot of energy. Uh, you know, you know, you're going to get some some buckets out of him. Uh, but if he can provide anything on defense and also working with a defensive-minded coach oh, yeah. uh, like Frank Vogel, I think, man, he is really going to light it up in that second unit. And they really didn't have to give up much. I mean, Danny Green was a great player two seasons ago. We saw the way he was uh, this past season. And the 28th overall pick, even though you know I would have loved to see the Lakers bring in another young guy, at the end of the day in a draft like this, it's really not that valuable of a pick. 
Um, I'd rather see them bring in an actual NBA contributor, and that's what they did. I really like Schroeder. Yeah, so I heard you. You know, you kind of led it with saying that Schroeder's going to be uh, on the second unit. So you don't think he's going to start? You think he's going to be pretty much a six man off the bench? Maybe start? I don't know Caruso and perhaps KCP. You don't think he's starting? Uh, I don't think Schroeder will start personally. I think I think he will get a lot of minutes. Yeah, probably sure. average about thirty minutes a game. But I don't think he will uh, be a starter. I think they'll have him coming off the bench. Like I, I think Lou Williams is a perfect uh, sort of like look at where his minutes will kind of be. For sure. Like Lou Williams doesn't start for the Clippers, mm-hmm. but he plays a lot of minutes um, just providing that spark. And I think that's kind of what Schroeder will be for the Lakers. Yeah, for sure. I can already see it, you know, um, starting with just for argument's sake, we'll talk about Crusoe. We'll say Crusoe and KCP, and we'll talk about KCP here in a sec. Uh, starting with them, you know, play four or five minutes or whatever, and then LeBron gets his first check out of the game where he goes to the bench like he always does, and then they bring Schroeder in to kind of run the offense alongside AD, and then you have that Schroeder-AD, you know, combo. And then when games close, I'm sure Schroeder will be on the court with LeBron. Uh, you mentioned his defense getting better. Uh, defensive Pippum. Uh, Pippum is a advanced stat that Daniel got me hooked on. Uh, 1.04 last season. So he was actually above average. Uh, I want to say Danny Green was like 1.13 or something around there. Uh, mm-hmm. So analytically, I mean, obviously they do different things. Analytically, though, just from that you know point of view, not sacrificing much in terms of defensive presence, um, which is good. And they obviously needed a point guard. You know, Rondo, um, we'll talk about him in a second. He's probably not going to be a Laker. Avery Bradley, we'll talk about him as well. He might not be a Laker. Um, they kind of need that point guard, especially with the December 22nd restart. We talked about it in a previous podcast. They might want to stagger LeBron James a little bit, maybe give him the first month of the season off, give him little minutes if he does start the season on December 22nd. Uh, getting that point guard who could play big minutes and actually be a facilitator as well as a scorer is pretty big. So I like the trade. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I'm actually a, a big fan of it. I, we, I don't really think we had to give up too much uh, to get him. So, you know, that's always a good thing. No, not at all. I mean, Danny Green, one year of Danny Green who – let's be honest, was a disappointment. I mean, if you look at I – mean, he was ba- terrible in the bubble and the playoffs. Maybe not terrible. He had his moments. He was pretty bad. Um, and then overall, last season, he had his moments, um, but he really wasn't fantastic. He shot under 70% from the free throw line, averaged single digits, uh, wasn't great from three. He wasn't terrible, but, I mean, he kind of peaked last season on that uh, Dallas, the, the buzzer beater against the Mavericks that sent to overtime and they won. That was like peak Danny Green last year, and that was, what, the second week of the season? So <laughs> he's definitely uh, expendable, and I like what the Lakers got in return for him. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, Danny, that I added to this outline that you did not originally have, do you still see Kyle Kuzma getting traded? Because the biggest you know, speculation was that Kuzma and Green would be packaged together. You know, We heard a rumor that they were reportedly packaged together for a potential Drew Holiday trade. Uh, do you see him still being traded in, in, in any capacity? I do. I think that there's actually uh, an even more increased chance uh, than I did a couple weeks ago. Okay. I think the Lakers are kind of just doing one of those overhauls where they want to have veterans yeah. come in. I think they might be done with Kuzma. I think they might uh, phase him out anyway. And even if he remains on the team, I don't really see his minutes uh, staying where they were last season. I think that they, you know, they're not done. I really believe that the Lakers are not done. I think they look around at the rest of the league making these big big moves and, and, you know, trying to top topple them uh, off their throne. And I think they might package Kuzma with a couple younger assets and future picks and stuff like that to maybe bring another player in. Here's a trade that I theorized and I want to throw it at you. Kyle Kuzma 
Javel, and this does work on the trade machine. This this is a, a realistic, doable trade. Kyle Kuzma, uh, Javel McGee has to opt into his player option. I think he's going to do that. Even if he gets traded to a bad team, he'll be a veteran buyout halfway through the season, and he's not going to make four million dollars in the free agent market. Uh, so we got Kyle Kuzma, Javel McGee, maybe a future second for PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker's only got one year left on his deal. He may doesn't have that much trade value. I'd say the Rockets are going on a uh, a selling spree potentially. Uh, how would you feel if they packaged Kuzma and McGee for PJ Tucker, Daniel? I would absolutely love it. I just don't think that that's enough to be able to get him. Okay. Um, but yeah, I would say yes if I were the Lakers to that. I think that they're kind of missing a wing defender right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just with, I mean, Danny Green, yeah, you know, his numbers, I know you mentioned the defensive pip um, It went down. The year prior, I believe he had upwards of a four defensive pip which is a ridiculous number. Oh, would, yeah. That would have been second in the NBA this year behind uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So by losing Danny Green and replacing him with Dennis Schroeder, who's more of a perimeter guy, you know, he's he's pretty much a point guard or a combo guard. Yeah. Uh, you're going to need to bring in somebody like a PJ Tucker and not play him at center. Um, <laughs> but I think that I think that's a great I think that's a great idea. I love PJ Tucker. I mean, he looked great in the playoffs this past season. Yeah, he did. Um, but KCP, like I already mentioned him, you know, saying that he and Caruso could start in the backcourt for the Lakers next season. Uh, Laker fans were maybe worried that he would be leaving the Lakers. He opted out of his player option, reportedly wanted to uh, chase kind of a big payday uh, in free agency. Uh, according to Zach Lowe on his podcast, it is a foregone conclusion that he's re-signing with the Lakers. We have not got any sort of uh, numbers, any sort of years, nothing in that regard. But um, it looks like KCP will be returning to the Lakers. Of course, things can change. Um, but that is positive. Are you happy KCP's returning? I'm cool with it. I, I'm not the biggest KCP guy, but I think he's kind of a necessary piece at this point. Yeah. Um, and he's been with the Lakers for a minute. So it's like, you know, he, he's kind of just ingrained in the culture at this point with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And he's kind of just a Laker. Um, yeah. yeah, I have no problem with them bringing him back, especially, man, he really played well in the playoffs and I love to see it. He, he's really scored some brownie points with me, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big, I'm not a huge uh, KCP guy either, but I mean, they need the depth for sure. Um, so as long as they don't, you know, overpay for him a lot, I know there's, there's more things going into it that we'll talk about in a little bit, but the whole, you know, emphasis has been kind of freeing up money for next year. And KCP is a good player. I wouldn't say he's a great player. And I just hope, I hope they didn't woo him with some big offer that he could not turn down. Um, you know, he does have some leverage, Clutch Sports, Rich Paul, um, you know, LeBron kind of being his buddy and whatnot. You know, they might overpay him because of that regard. Um, I like that he's returning. I think it's good for the team. I just hope it's not for some absurd amount of money because if so, that could burn the team, you know, down the line. So, but we'll yeah. see. Maybe he just keeps getting better. He was had some big moments in the playoffs. Um, and then Rajon Rondo, who appears that he's gone for sure. Uh, he is not returning to the Lakers like KCP is rumored to be doing, or at least to this point does not seem like he's returning. Uh, apparently the Clippers and the Hawks are the two teams that are in the front running. Uh, Rondo reportedly looks like he's favoring the Clippers, at least from the reports I've seen. Uh, reports say that he's getting a big offer from the Hawks. Daniel, my question for you is why would the Atlanta Hawks sign Rajon Rondo to a big contract? I have no idea. I mean, there's a reason they don't make the playoffs. They're just not a smart basketball franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't get it. They have Trey Young. They have, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't know. I know they have Cam Reddish. I know he kind of sucked last year, though. Um, 
who else did the Atlanta Hawks even have? They had Jeff Teague. DeAndre Hunter. Free agent? Um, DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, they still have Jeff Teague. Kevin, uh-huh. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Uh, Harder. Uh, John Collins, Clint Capella. Like, why? Why? What's the? I, I'm sure a significant offer for Rondo is still probably only like eight million dollars. At, at least it should be at this point of his career. Um, it just makes no sense, you know, to sign a veteran point guard for that much unless maybe they view him as future trade bait, which I guess maybe they're playing chess while we're playing checkers. Um, but he's not uh-huh. going to get big minutes anyways on the Hawks. And nah. Trey Young is the worst defender in the league. And Rajon Rondo, while he was better with the Lakers, is not a good defender himself. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd be more worried about him going to the Clippers. I think they need that facilitating point guard. Uh, Clipper fans try to pretend like Doc Rivers was the only reason that they didn't make the finals last year. Or make it out of the second round, I should say. Um, but they do need that facilitating guard. Patrick Beverly just isn't that guy. And they don't really have anyone to run the offense when they're two stars or wings that don't you know facilitate that much. So, I think that's a better fit for him. Maybe you know, he's chasing a bigger payday and he doesn't want to burn his Laker teammates by going to the Clippers. I don't know. I see him signing with the Hawks just because that's a dumb NBA move that always happens. Yep. Yeah. That's probably the most likely scenario at this point. I do think that he might want to play for a contender and really not waste his time considering that he's definitely in the second phase or the final phase of his career. Yeah. Um, I think, I think there's still a small chance if he doesn't want to be a Hawk, I don't really see the Clippers offering him more than a veteran minimum deal. Yeah. And I think at that point, the Lakers would just bring him back. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's why I think he's going to go to the Hawks, though, just because, like you said, he might not want to be on a not con- a non-contender. But at the same time, he is coming off another ring. Um, and money talks. <laughs> you know, money talks. Yeah. So, especially yeah, today. Sure. So, I don't know. We'll see. I don't I don't think he's coming to the Clippers for the reason you said, I don't think they're, they can offer anything more than the Lakers do, but I don't know. Maybe he turns his back on us. Uh, one thing you wanted to talk about, I know you wanted to go in depth on this. Uh, Anthony Davis declining his player option. Uh, that was reported about a month ago by Shams. Uh, we all expected it. Um, he's most likely, I mean, it's 99.9% going to re-sign with the Los Angeles Lakers on some sort of max deal, hopefully long-term, hopefully not like a one-in-one deal. Um, this opens up a lot of cap. Uh, flexibility because they have the bird rights on AD that allows them to go over the cap. His, you know, player option isn't counting against the cap now. Um, what kind of things does this open up, Daniel? I know you're the cap math guy, so I wanted to get your take on this. <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, I've seen actually on Twitter a lot of people saying, oh my god, AD hasn't signed with the Lakers yet. Like, people being for scared. And the reason why, okay, the reason why he is not signing, for any of the listeners that are also reacting similarly is because he's letting the Lakers do their thing mm-hmm. and signing additional pieces because they have those bird rights. Yep, They can sign him over the cap no matter – at any point. If he were to sign, just say today, before the Lakers did anything to you know fill out the roster, they would be running up against the cap. And I will say that you know the Buss family and Jeannie Buss, they're not the wealthiest owners, but they definitely put their money – into the Lakers basketball every single time. I mean, they'll do it a time and time again. So I have a feeling that they're not done. They're going to add a piece or two. And then at the end, they will sign Anthony Davis over the cap using the bird rights to a super max deal or a max deal. Uh, he's not old enough for the super max, but um, yeah, I think a lot of Laker fans are kind of concerned mm-hmm. and they really shouldn't be because it's really all a part of the strategy. 
Yeah, and I mean, if AD was leaving, we would have heard reports that he wants out of LA or that some other team. Like, we haven't heard anything other than, you know, he's going to be a Laker. Uh, So I wouldn't be concerned. Exactly like you said, they could sign multiple contracts, you know, get up against that cap as close as possible and then sign him to go over it. Um, And there's names, you know, that have been kind of in the rumor mill. Someone that was, you know, thrown in the rumor mill after the Danny Green trade was Wesley Matthews. I know that the mid-level exception has been kind of a, you know, has been tossed around for Wesley Matthews. They could do something where they sign Matthews to the mid-level exception and maybe they sign Danilo Gallinari to a little bit more than the mid-level exception or vice versa. They could do something like that, but up against that cap and then sign AD rather than, like you said, signing AD now and then only being able to get one of those guys on the MLE. With that being said, Mm -hmm. how do you feel about Wesley Matthews potentially being on the Los Angeles Lakers? I really like Wesley Matthews. I've always been a fan of Wesley Matthews. And when I heard that the Lakers were interested, I was actually really happy because it means that they're looking at the right players. They're not looking at Rajon Rondo types just because they've been there, done that. Wesley Matthews is a genuinely elite defender in the NBA. Uh, He's, he's not as great offensively as he used to be. He still can shoot. He can shoot from three, but you bring him on the team as a defender and you just have him for defensive purposes. He's a really big asset, and he only was on the veteran minimum deal with Milwaukee this past season. I see him getting a lot more from that, more, a lot more than that, from a team that actually understands his capabilities. Um, he's worth, to me, a lot more than the veteran minimum. And if the Lakers could get him on something like that, oh, man, oh, that is yeah. such a huge deal. Well, yeah, if they could, you know, let's say he's undervalued and they get him close to the veteran minimum, maybe a little bit more, that opens the door for another player like his, you know, that kind of contract plus the MLE. That could be three players that come in instead of two. Uh, I think you're right. I think he gets more than, you know, the bottom, the the floor of what he could get. But you never know. I mean, there's a lot of players in the market. There's a lot of movement. Not a lot of teams with cap space. Maybe the Lakers can get a steal. I mean, even if it's the MLE, I would think that's, you know, fine. Uh, defensive Pippum last year, 2.37. So double that of Danny Green. And I know you said Danny Green was in the fours the year before, but if he's twice the defender Danny Green was on the Lakers, he's going to have a similar offensive output. I mean, Danny Green was not an offensive, you know, he wasn't lethal offensively last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wesley Matthews shot 36% from three. That's very similar to Danny Green's numbers. Um, And he provides, you know, at worst, just as good as defense as Danny Green. And then you have a case of replacing Danny Green with a player that's potentially better in Wesley Matthews. And then, you know, for cheaper, getting Schroeder on top of that. I think Matthews, you know, that's it's a savvy Rob Palinka move. Um, I, I think it's great, man. I think it's it just, I don't know what else to say. It's great. It'd be fantastic. You know, that's yeah. playing, that's playing chess while others are playing checkers, like I said earlier. Um, yeah, another definitely. player I was looking at personally. Um, I want to get your thoughts on him. Just you know, on a side note, how would you feel about Kent Bazemore on a smaller contract like that? Let's say they do get Wesley Matthews for a smaller contract, and then they bring in another wing defender just for depth in Kent Bazemore. Uh, he had pretty decent defensive numbers last year. Same thing. He could be a decent three-point shooter. Uh, would you welcome him on the Lakers? Yeah, on a veteran minimum deal. I'm, yeah. I'm not really a big fan of, uh, of Bazemore. But on a veteran minimum deal, you know, just as a shooter off the bench, I could play a little defense here and there. Maybe play him 10 minutes a night. I like him. I like him for that. I, I don't really see him as much more. For sure. Yeah. He's kind of like the, if you can't get Wesley Matthews, uh, a good enough fallback option. Um, I would Agreed. think, but yeah, Wesley Matthews would obviously be the better, uh, one rumor I didn't see that you put in here, Mo Harkless rumored to be a wing mm-hmm. defender target for the Lakers. Uh, do you want to expand yeah. on that? 
Yeah, I like Mo Harkless too. Uh, he's been kind of one of those guys that he gets passed around the league to serve a purpose. <laughs> yeah. Um, him that used to be PJ Tucker, uh, Luke Ba Mute for years too with yep. the Rockets and the Clippers. He's just kind of one of those guys. I mean, Trevor Ariza is another one. Yeah. They're just there are they are there to play wing defense. Yeah. Maybe shoot a three here and there, and that is it. And the <laughs> Lakers need players like that. They yeah. really do. They kind of lacked it at times. Uh, during the season because Danny Green's defense took that step back. KCP's a good, capable defender, but he's not elite. Yeah. Mo Harkless has shown you know, that he can be an elite defender. He's no Robert Covington. I mean, we'll talk about Robert Covington later on, um, but he's still very, very capable as a defender. Uh, I think he's a great veteran minimum guy. Yeah. Also, w- another thing, Jason, I'm looking. I'm looking at the cap right now for the Lakers. Uh-huh. They have 37 million dollars under the cap right now without Anthony Davis. Wow. Yeah. So technically, they could really go out and spend. I mean, I don't know how much they want to go over the cap, considering the luxury tax. I believe is, I want to say twenty three thousand dollars over what the actual cap is. Uh huh. So they twenty three thousand. Yeah, because the luxury tax threshold is 133 million. Uh huh. And then, oh, did I say thousand? Yeah. I million. Okay. You know yeah, that's mean. why I was very confused for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty three million. And, <laughs> and the cap is 109, so it's 23, 23 million above. Uh, so the Lakers could technically, you know, sign Anthony Davis to his 34 million dollar deal, mm-hmm. um, which would leave them with about, I want to say, 24 million to do whatever the hell they want with. Yeah. Like that that's a lot. You could go get a, a semi star for that price or a couple really good role players. Yeah, I mean for sure 20 26 million is a lot. Um for the listeners that don't understand just briefly if you want to explain the luxury tax because I know the NBA tax can be a little bit confusing. Um I like baseball it just has no uh salary cap really. I mean they have a luxury tax too, but all, caps are confusing if you want to just explain briefly, you know, for those that might not know what, what the significance of the luxury of the, you know, tax threshold is. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you ha- there's a cap and then there's the luxury cap yeah. pretty much is the way I would refer to it. Uh, the cap is what e- pretty much every NBA team looks at. It's 109 million this upcoming year. Yep. You want to try to stay under that unless you have players with bird rights. Uh, I mean, the Warriors go over that every single year <laughs> because they have the bird rights of all their players. They developed all their talent. Yeah. Um, so there's a reason why you will look at the Warriors and they have well over 109 million locked up in uh, in contracts, or they used to when they had Kevin Durant. But you take a look at uh, the luxury tax threshold, which is 100, 132 million this year. Uh, like I said, it's 23 million over the cap. It allows teams to kind of go over the cap if they have players with those bird rights, mm-hmm. but you run into an issue if you go over the 132 million. And that's what the Thunder did a couple of years back when they had Paul George and Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams they were paying and Dennis Schroeder they were paying. Um, and I believe they approached 160 million or 170 million mm-hmm. on their payroll. Uh, you have to pay, I think it's 110% tax. Yeah. Or it's something, something absolutely absurd yeah. for every dollar above 132 million. Yeah, which is that that's I mean, that's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of money. Um, So it kind of disincentivizes teams from going above the luxury tax. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't it's not a disincentive like it doesn't disincentivize you from going over the the cap. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. So 
Thank you for explaining that. You explained that much better than I could have ever explained it. Um, so that means, you know, for those, you know, worried about cap, I don't know what fans worried about how much the Lakers are paying, but the Lakers could go over that threshold. You know, it doesn't have to be exactly, you know, 23 million or whatever it is uh, that the Lakers have to spend. They could go a million over that if they need to, you know, with AD's bird rights plus whoever they bring in. So there's not like a, there's a set in stone number, but it's not really set in stone because, you know, it just depends on how much the Lakers want to pay. Um, a good example of this, you know, years back when James Harden was originally traded for the Thunder, he was traded because the Thunder were expected to go over the luxury tax. They were going to pay, I think, it wasn't even a big number. It was something like $500,000 or whatever in uh, taxes, and they didn't want to pay that, so they traded James Harden. Um, that's like the biggest example I know of teams not wanting to go over that. So Lakers, you know, like you said, the Bus family isn't the richest, but the Lakers are huge. You know, they could theoretically go over that a little bit if needed. So... And then DeMar DeRozan, I wanted to wrap up the Lakers, you know, news, rumors with that. I personally am not a DeMar DeRozan guy. Uh, he's not a good defender, and especially with Dennis Schroeder, I feel like you don't really need him to be that second pick-and-roll guy. Um, what do you think? Do you think, you know, even without Green, is there a possibility that DeRozan could find his way to L.A.? I mean, do you even want him in L.A.? What do you think? Number one, I do not want him in a Laker uniform. Thank you. Um, I'm just – DeRozan, man, he's just not, he's not really good at the game of basketball. <laughs> like I'll just put it, I'll put it as nicely as possible. He had a great year though. You look at his numbers on the surface. He did really well for the Spurs last year, Yeah, but he doesn't play defense. He's a very ball dominant player. The only reason he did as well as he did was because the Spurs weren't very good last year. Yeah, <laughs> that That's pretty much what, what it was is uh, man. He just got opportunities and kind of sees them. With the Lakers, he is not a piece that you really want as a tertiary piece because he needs the ball in his hands. And it that just won't happen with Anthony Davis and LeBron James on your team. Yeah. The the ball needs to be in those two guys' hands. And if you need to find that tertiary tertiary option offensively, you got to kick it out to a shooter. Yeah. You know, like like a Dennis Schroeder, like a KCP, uh guys like that that, you know, are kind of integral to what the Lakers did to win the NBA finals this past season. Um, I don't think DeRozan really fits into that puzzle at all. And I would just totally pass. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the biggest argument I saw for him uh, by Laker fans or just analysts in general on Twitter was, you know, his pick and roll capabilities. He was, I believe in like the 92nd percentile in pick and roll efficiency as the ball handler last season with like a crazy, like a 35% uh, usage rate, which are great numbers. The problem is, is he's paid a lot of money um, you know, he's making a good amount. Um, and like you mentioned, there's holes. He's, you know, he's not a shooter. He shoots 28% in his career. I think it's like 20% combined in the last two years. And he's a bad defender. Now, could you overlook those things just for the pick and roll capabilities, you know, as a bench guy? Sure, you could, but this isn't a guy who's going to play 10 to 15 minutes a game and be that pick and roll guy. In that case, I feel like it would be okay if he was strictly a bench guy. That's not DeRozan. He needs minutes. He needs the ball even more to be successful. Um, I would much rather pay 30% of what DeRozan would cost both financially and in trade assets for 75% of the pick and roll player. You know what I mean? Someone like Derrick mm -hmm. Rose, who is 75%. I think he was in like the 75th percentile. 75% of what DeRozan was. He's not a great defender, but he's not as bad, um, you know, and he'd be much cheaper. So it, it just, it doesn't make sense. He's a big name. Uh, there's a reason why the Spurs kind of fell off a cliff after they traded for him. There's a reason why they they want to trade for him right now, um, or trade yeah. him right now, I should say. Uh, so I don't think it's going to happen. Do I think he'll get traded? 
I probably, I think at least at the deadline, one year left on his deal, they'll get something out of him. It'll probably be something minor because NBA teams are smart. He just doesn't – and it's funny too because I feel like in the 90s he would be – you know, maybe he would be regarded much differently. But he doesn't play defense, so maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Michael Jordan – they call Michael Jordan the De- like DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what makes me laugh. Comparison. I Yeah, me too on Twitter like they because he doesn't, you know, shoot threes. But it's like, okay, Michael Jordan also played defense. Like, <laughs> like didn't just yeah. play defense, was elite defensively. So – I don't know. Yeah. People I mean, I'm funny. looking at DeMar DeRozan right now, negative 2.1 defensive Pippen last year. <laughs> I, I did an article on that. Uh, I think that was twice as worse as Kyle Kuzma. So that puts it into perspective. Uh-huh. Um, but it's not, you know, there's a lot going on in the league as well, Daniel. Uh, kind of wrap up. That's all the Lakers, you know, rumors new so far, unless something breaks while we record this. There's been a lot going on in the NBA. Um, I don't even know where to start. This league is you know, going on top of its, its head off the rails. Yep. Um, <laughs> I guess the, the, the most topical thing, cause it does kind of pertain to the Lakers is the drew holiday trade to the Milwaukee bucks. So first it pertains to the Lakers because the Lakers reportedly offered Kuzma, Danny green in the 28th pick a package built around that for drew holiday, David Griffin, I would guess just kind of laughed and hung up the phone on Rob Palinka. Uh, and instead got five first round picks from the Milwaukee bucks. So it's th- three first round picks and then two pick swaps on top of George Hill and Eric Bledsoe, correct? Bledsoe? Yeah. Eric yes, Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe. So they got all that for Drew Holiday, who we talked about as being a great third star on the Lakers. I don't know if we would have paid five first-round picks for him as high as we no. were on him. Uh, a guy who's a two-time All-Defensive, was an All-Star eight years ago, is on the wrong side of 30. Um, I mean, <laughs> that's a bold trade, Daniel. What was your takeaway? Man, I think it's an awful trade for the Bucks. And man, I, I <laughs> I'm not gonna go into full detail here because I mean at the end of the day, this is a Lakers podcast, but I could probably talk a good twenty minutes about why this is you know bad trade. Okay. Okay, go okay. for it. Go for it. Number one, number one, okay. If Giannis decides to re sign and sign a supermax with Milwaukee, it's a good trade. Yeah. I, the way you can look at it is you're trading all those picks. You're trading all these assets for Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. It's almost like with the Clippers last year where you're you're trading for Paul George knowing you're also going to get Kawhi Leonard if you get Paul George. Yeah. It's like you're trading for both superstars. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Drew Holiday isn't to the caliber, I'd say, of Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, um, if it's going to keep Giannis around, trade's entirely worth it, 100%. But if he is not going to, and maybe he rides this year out and says, you know what, if we don't win the NBA Finals, I, I'm going to go test the waters. It's a very, very bad trade. Oh, very yeah. bad trade. Oh, yeah. This is um, – Yeah, man. <laughs> this is a trade where if Giannis does leave um, and all is said and done, three picks, I don't think – are they unprotected? Have they come out if there's any protections on those? I think two of the picks are unprotected entirely. Jesus. Um, plus yeah. the pick swaps, which is pretty much an unprotected pick, if you really think about it. Um, In a way, yeah. This could be a trade that sets a franchise back an entire decade. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Because mm-hmm. the Milwaukee Bucks are not a big market team. They're not going to lure guys via free agency, especially if Giannis is gone. Um, you know, if Giannis leaves, the Bucks might be, you know, 
you know, basement dwellers for an entire decade. I might have kids and a family by the time the Bucks make the playoffs again if Giannis does not, you know, re-sign with the Lakers or with yeah. the Bucks. Um, but like you said, if he does, it is kind of worth it. Um, they also made another move that was a little bold. They traded uh, Dante DiVincenzo um, and some other assets. George Hill, or no, George Hill was in the other trade. Among some other, oh, uh, Ilya Sova was in that trade. But they traded him for Bogdan mm-hmm. Bogdanovich. I didn't really love that trade, personally. I thought the trade was awful. Um, <laughs> I thought that was worse than Drew Holiday. Because with Drew Holiday, you can make the case like they're trading future assets, which might not even be worth anything. You know, if Giannis stays around, mm-hmm. they might just be late 20 picks that they would trade that year anyways. This is a case where they were tra- they traded multiple role players for one role player. And you got to pay Bogdanovich because it was a sign-and-trade deal. Um, he's older than DiVincenzo. He's a better shooter, so I guess maybe that's what they're looking at is the three-point shooting. Um, but DiVincenzo is, like, sneaky pretty good. Um and I, I just don't. He's very good. I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I think DiVincenzo by himself uh, would be a better asset for the Bucks this upcoming season than Bogdanovich is. I think he's a good fit with uh, with Giannis. Uh, Bogdanovich is mm-hmm. like he he's a very good shooter. He's a very gifted player. Uh, but DiVincenzo, man, he's a young player. He's controllable. He's cheap. Man, I. I would have rather had DiVincenzo by himself than uh, Bogdanovich. And I think I, I tweeted something like that out. I don't think a lot of people realize how good Dante DiVincenzo really is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was a, he was a great player in college, but he kind of screamed, you know, one of those Jimmer for debt, like, uh, like Colt hero type of college players. Mm-hmm. But in the NBA, man, almost like a Tyler hero. Like I thought Tyler hero was going to be somewhat similar. Yeah. Those two, man, they have really, really surprised me with their play different ways. I mean, DiVincenzo is okay as a uh, kind of like a secondary ball handler for the Bucks, But with the Kings, man, oh, man, him and De'Aaron Fox are going to be so fun to watch in that backcourt. Yeah, I think it was a great trade for the Kings. Um, Agreed. For the Bucks, just kind of going all in, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Um, but it raises the question, you know, we mentioned if Giannis does resign with the Bucks, uh, it, this is worth it. I, I think he does, man. I mean, I don't see, you know, we kind of played it up, but I don't see why the Bucks would make would trade five first round picks and you know young assets for someone who's a little bit older and has a bigger contract. I don't understand why they would trade all that, not knowing that Giannis is probably going to resign. And I know Mark Stein yeah. reported that there's you know mulling around the league that he is going to sign that supermax extension. Um, I. I guess, you know, I, right now I'm under the assumption that he is going to stay with the Bucks, um, and that probably, not probably, that would take away the chances of him being a Laker, which sucks. So Yeah, definitely. I think the Lakers need to realize that too and possibly pull the trigger on another NBA superstar, uh, you know, maybe move some cap around. I, I saw today that Bradley Beal is unavailable. He would have been a good option. Uh, guys in that tier to yeah. add to uh, AD and LeBron would have been perfect. Yeah. Um, because they have nothing to look forward to really now. Um, there's just, there's nothing for them. Uh, if Giannis is not there, I mean, it's a decent free agency class behind him, mm-hmm. but it, it's almost like a Giannis or bust thing. You've got to, you've got to shift gears here. Uh, see what, see what the bucks do with Giannis. And then man, if, if they sign him to that super max and he wants to be a buck, you need to just absolutely just shift your whole plan. It's not looking forward to, you know, the summer of 2021 anymore. It's looking forward to 2022 and current at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Cause that's been the whole thing is, you know, cap space for next summer. 
Um, if they could somehow work out a deal in which they get cap space, um, they extend it a year and they go towards the 2022 summer, like you mentioned, then you have the possibility of Bradley Beal opting out of his deal, which he will. He'll be 29 years old and, you know, he'll get a long-term deal from someone else. Uh, and the Wizards will still be terrible. Newsflash. Um, so maybe that's the plan. Maybe we look towards 2022 and we look at someone, you know, like Bradley Beal, someone like, a, you know, I don't think he opts out, but Jimmy Butler, player option. He's He'll be 33. Maybe that's not worth it. Um, maybe even, you know, I know Laker fans hate him, but maybe even like a Paul George or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, it's time to stop looking forward and to stop setting the cap up and not making certain moves to keep that cap space for next summer because, you know, you can't expect Giannis to, you know, not sign the deal and then and also want to go to the Lakers. Um, so it is what it is. We didn't need Giannis anyways. Um, <laughs> although it would have yeah. been awesome. Uh, it would have been great. Uh, I guess the, the biggest trade before this true holiday trade happened though, was the Chris Paul trade to the Phoenix suns. I believe mm-hmm. the suns gave up. What was it? Kelly Oubre, uh, Ricky Rubio Ricky and some Rubio. picks, right? Yeah. I, I think there was another, is there another good player in there? Let's see. It was a uh, Kelly Oubre according to ESPN. Who's about to do an autoplay video because they always do autoplay videos. Uh, got that paused out in front of it. So Phoenix Suns on Monday acquired all-star guard Chris Paul in a trade for the Oakley's. Okay. Um, for Paul and Abdel Nader, who I've never heard of. The Thunder received Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen Leck. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Look, he, yeah, he's he's genuinely a really good prospect. And a 2022 first-round pick from the Suns. Yeah. So, I don't think the package is awful. Um, but Chris Paul, man, he is getting paid. Yeah, that man is. is getting paid. And yeah, he is. To give up anything of value, that's oh man. I mean, they they got a first and financial relief. The Thunder did. Sam Presti is a genius, man. He's a genius. Now I've seen okay, so I've seen a lot of uh, Sam Presti love. I think he's really really good. Don't get me wrong, but the Thunder haven't like won anything, so I don't know. They, they got to win something before I keep before I jump on the Sam Presti train. Um, he also hasn't been the GM that long. I think he was the one that traded Harden, though. I think that was him. So, since then, he's just been uh, making up for that. Um, <laughs> in the summer of 2010. No, he's been with them for a while. He's really? been since 2007. Oh, wow. No, nah, he's, he's a good GM. I mean, the Thunder are a small market team, and they've constantly, you know, drafted right. And they know exactly when to move on from guys. And, you know, I think he's solid. I think, you know, just because he hasn't got the results doesn't mean he's not good, like a Daryl Morey type. But yeah, I think I it's a... was going to mention Daryl Morey. Yeah, I'm glad you <laughs> mentioned that. Um, it's a great trade, though. I mean, they you know they flipped Westbrook for Paul and some picks, and then they flipped Paul for financial relief and you know some assets. Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre Jr. Who, yeah, they're not they're short term options, and they're not going to be like you know some long term pieces for the Thunder. But these are two guys with expiring deals, I believe, and they could flip them at the trade deadline. You know what I mean? There's yep. going to be some contending team that needs a Kelly Oubre that needs a Ricky Rubio. And they're going to be able to flip them. So they'll get more assets out of it. So it's a great trade for the Thunder. Um, you know, stockpiling on picks. Their future draft pick status is looking mighty tasty. <laughs> 17 firsts within the next six drafts. Jesus. That is a lot. Yep. That is yep. a lot. Um, yeah, man. I, I, good for the Thunder. Small market team they need. Now they got to execute on those picks, though. I mean, if they don't, I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. And then there's also the Robert Covington to the Blazers, which I think was kind of got thrown 
under the rug a little bit, like it, because right after that, the Drew Holiday trade happened and, you know, it, it just kind of, no one's talking about it. It seems like, but I thought that was a, a good accusation, accusation. Ac- no, I'm using the wrong word. Acquisition. Acquisition for the Portland Trail Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I know you're a Roco yeah. guy, though. Yeah, dude. I, I love that move for the Blazers. I think that that's kind of the piece they've been missing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also going to say something else about the Blazers after you know I'm done here. But, man, he adds so much to that Blazers team that already has Nurkic, Lillard, and McCollum. Like, that's a really good core. Yeah. That's a genuinely good core that can, you know, bang with the bodies in the West. Yeah. Like 110%. Uh, what I was going to mention about the Blazers is that they declined the player option today on, um, or on the team option on Rodney Hood. Mm-hmm. Rodney Hood would be a player I'd be interested in. Uh, I think he, I think he kind of fits that like KCP ish type of mold where the Lakers maybe need another guy like that. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a solid defender and he can put the ball in the hole, man. He's really good. Um, yeah, I, I like that move for the Blazers overall, though. I like that. Um, I, I like that move for Houston too. I mean, they're obviously transitioning into a different, um, you know, part of their franchise, whatever, going on the selling spree. But they traded Covington. They traded Capella, and I believe a first for Covington back in that in that four team trade. You know, back during the season. Um, and then they flip them for two picks. They flip them for the the Blazers twenty twenty first round pick, which I believe they moved up in the draft order by doing so. Yeah, so they were they're now 16. They originally would have been 22. So they moved up six spots, and then they get another future pick on top of that. And you know they really just lost Capella, who yeah he'd be nice now, you know needing size for the future. But they probably would have traded him anyways. So I think that was also a savvy move, you know, by Houston. They just lost Daryl Morey, and everyone thinks they're going to explode. But I thought they sold him at the right time, you know. And then they got Trevor Reza yeah. in return, who has been a rocket four times in his career, I think, or maybe three times oh my now. Gosh. He's been on the Rockets <laughs> so much. Yeah, that Covington trade says a lot more about the Rockets to me. Yep. Like, you know, the Blazers, sure, you know, they're pushing the chips in. But you're not letting go of Robert Covington if you're not also going to trade James Harden and uh, Russell Westbrook. Yep. I think that kind of just opens up the, the floodgates for all these deals that the Rockets are going to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of follow that thunder mold that Sam Presti's kind of running where they just accumulate a ton of draft picks because they can get a few for James Harden a lot, you know, oh, yeah. something comparable uh, to the Anthony Davis deal, but probably with more picks than young players. Um, I think that's kind of the direction they're going. And we'll probably talk about James Harden in a little bit, but yeah, it looks like the Rockets are, you know, kind of folding this season but they aren't going to be out of contention that long, I would say, if they're able to get a lot of picks. Yeah, I, here's something I've kind of thought about, though, and uh, Bill Simmons mentioned it on his podcast, and I thought it was actually an interesting idea, is what if Harden does get traded, and you know they trade Covington for picks, and maybe they trade someone like P.J. Tucker. What if, because the whole reason Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston is you know kind of to return to the Russell Westbrook of old um, and kind of dominate the game, what if they just blow it up around Russell Westbrook and, you know, they can't find a trade for him this offseason because his contract's really high and, like, the Charlotte Hornets are, like, the only team right now that seem like they're really interested in trading for him and they're going to get, you know, nothing great in return. They're going to get, like, Terry Rozier and whatever else. Um, what if they just let Westbrook stay in Houston and he puts up the garbage time numbers there? You know what I mean? Houston just commits <laughs> to, like, hey, we're going to be a 39-win team. Let's let Westbrook, you know, kind of just whatever, do his thing, be the number one guy like he wants to be. 
uh, raise his trade value and then, you know, explore a trade maybe next offseason, you know. So I think that's also a possibility. I think I could see Westbrook staying, Harden, you know, and company leaving, and then Westbrook just being, you know, the, the Rockets being that garbage team that Westbrook's on. So I could also mm-hmm. see that. So I don't know. Yeah, see, the only thing I disagree with that is I, I think this applies to all sports that all front officers should think like that or like this. You either push all your chips in or you fold. You, you never want to stay in the middle, ever. You know, that that's the worst place to be in sports. And if you're going to keep Westbrook around, you're probably going to be around a 500 team, maybe slightly under, if you have, you know, decent pieces around him. Because, in my opinion, Westbrook ain't a winning player. It, the only reason that the Rockets were as good as they were was because of James Harden. I don't know if I want to build a team around Russell Westbrook. Like, I understand you were saying, like, maybe trade him after the season. Yeah, that could totally work. It's just, it's either you blow it up entirely or you run it back, in my opinion. To play devil's advocate, I mean, the Thunder were kind of like that in-between team last year, and now they flipped Chris Paul for even more assets. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it I just think depends. Just it just depends on what the offers are for Westbrook. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. If they're not getting much in return, you know, Maybe they'll suck. Maybe they'll still be a lottery team with Westbrook. Maybe they'll be a top, a bottom five team. Because if you look at the West, it's freaking stacked, man. Like, it's really stacked. Yeah, um, it really is. So maybe there is a possibility where Westbrook still is on a bottom five team. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> despite being on the Rockets. Um, and then the yeah. biggest, the James Harden trade, you know, that we've kind of alluded to. It's what kind of is headlining the entire league right now. Is him going to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, wants to play with his good buddy Kevin Durant. Uh, Kyrie Irving's just kind of there. Kyrie Irving would become number three. Um, reportedly, Harden denied, uh, rejected like a $50 million, uh, a contract extension that would have eventually paid him $50 million a season and made it clear to the Houston front office that I just want to get to Brooklyn, uh, make it happen. Uh, the rumored package I've heard is something around Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, probably some picks, uh, but around those two players. Um, yeah, man, that would be super interesting to watch. Just, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if it would work. It would either be amazing or it'd be terrible. And I don't think there's an in-between. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And you know my thoughts on it. I mean, I can tell the listeners. I tweeted about it the other day. Um, I just, I'm one of the people that don't think it's going to work. There's a reason why some super teams work and some super teams don't. Like the Heat worked because all of those players brought different things to the table. I mean, Dwayne Wade was more of like an initiator type. LeBron is LeBron James. And Chris Bosh kind of took a back seat. Yeah, And if you're going to have KD playing with Kyrie and James Harden, who takes a back seat? The worst player of the three is definitely Kyrie Irving. Yep. But Kyrie Irving is also your primary ball handler. Like, how does that, how does that work? You know, it's one of those, you know, there's only one rock. And I I will say that over and over. And I kind of hate that logic. But with the Nets, it would 100% apply. I think they'd be a fantastic basketball team. But at the end of the day, are they a winning basketball team yeah. when it comes down to it in the playoffs? Well, yeah, they they would be a winning team, obviously. But yeah, that it's when the going gets tough, you know, will the tough get going? Um, and you mentioned Kyrie being the third, you know, most talented player. I think personally, and this is this might sound, I don't think this is actually crazy to say. I think the the Brooklyn Nets would be better, or slash would work and actually could win a title if they did a Kevin Durant, James Harden team and Kyrie Irving was instead flipped for like role players, I feel like they would be better without Kyrie Irving 
as crazy as that 100% sounds. Agree. Um, 100% agree with that. I think, you know, KD knows what it's like to play with a, a, a superstar guard. Um, you know, Harden can kind of do his thing. KD can bounce off of that. You can manage those two. It's the Kyrie dynamic and him needing the ball, especially to be successful. You know, KD can be successful yeah. without the ball. We saw that in Golden State. You know, Harden, to an extent, you know, he kind of needs the ball a little bit more, but... Kyrie doesn't offer Kyrie doesn't offer the shooting that Steph could offer, you know, when KD is the one taking the ball up the floor. He's not Klay Thompson, yeah. who is a spot-up shooter. He's not Draymond Green, who's a great defender and kind of that glue guy. He's a guy who needs the basketball. And, you know, mm-hmm. his thing, the reason he wanted out of Cleveland was he wanted to be the guy in Boston. And then he goes to Boston and there's chemistry issues and he's not a great leader. And it's just I, I don't I don't see I, I could see a possibility. And I don't I, do the Nets give up on Kyrie this early. You know what I mean? Do we see yeah. like some crazy three-team trade where Harden goes to Brooklyn, Kyrie goes somewhere else, and then a bunch of young assets go to the to the Rockets? I don't know. You know that would be insane. That would be awesome. But yeah, I don't know. I would I would like that uh, just as a basketball fan, seeing Harden and KD, you know, playing together away from uh, from the Thunder. Mm-hmm. But a primary reason why they signed with the Brooklyn Nets, KD and Kyrie, was to play together. Yeah. Um, from a basketball perspective, just actual like thinking, projecting wins out. Yeah, absolutely. A Harden and a KD are a better duo because Harden's play style it, it's very similar. I would say, uh, outside of maybe a Trey Young type, mm-hmm. is as close to Steph Curry as any other player in the league because of you know just the free will firing from deep. Yeah, it's just automatic. Like you get any kind of space, he's shooting a three. Um, so KD's used to playing with players like that. I would, I would love to see that as a basketball fan, but I don't know if it'll happen. I think they're going to try to maneuver it to get all three men uh, to play together in Brooklyn. I'm trying to think of a way we could work out like a three team trade for this. Let's see. Let's, this is live. This is bad radio, but this is live. (laughs) We're going to do nets rockets and we're going to go to the Pelicans because they have a bunch of draft picks. Okay. And then we're going to send Kyrie. Kyrie's going to go to the Pelicans. Okay. And then mm-hmm. we're going to have Lonzo Ball going to the Rockets. We're going to have – okay, so the Pelicans will re-sign Brandon Ingram, and then they'll try to run it with a, a Kyrie, Brandon Ingram, Zion, big three. Which is good. Uh, so let's see, Lonzo to the Rockets. Okay, wait, we've got to get Harden to the Nets. And then the Rockets, they probably don't have to give up – maybe they still have to give up Dinwiddie. Let's say Dinwiddie to the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Because he Dinwiddie gets paid a decent amount, so you'd have to balance the contracts. Um, we'll say JJ Redick to Houston just as a one-year kind of salary relief guy. We'll say Josh mm-hmm. Hart to Houston just for another young piece. Let's see, does this work according to Trade NBA? Try trade. Okay, this works. This is the trade, ladies and gentlemen. We're going James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets. We are going JJ Redick, Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> This is a lot of guards. J.J. Reddick, Spencer Dinwiddie, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and whatever draft picks you could play with those, either between the Pelicans and the Nets, or both, to the Houston Rockets. And then to the New Orleans Pelicans, we have Kyrie Irving, who is going to create a big three with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. That is the three-team trade to make. Mm-hmm. Dang, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, the, hey, on the spot, that's a pretty damn good, uh, good proposal. <laughs> I'll call the jams. I'll call David Griffin and company. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's the big news. Uh, also, Chris Dunn did not get a qualifying offer from the Chicago Bulls. I see in our Lake Show Life podcast document, you put in all caps, "I want him." Um, Daniel, why oh, yeah. do you want Chris Dunn so bad? 
Okay, Chris Dunn is the type of player the Lakers need, man. He He's a point guard, and mm-hmm. I know you're obsessed with defensive Pippum now. Did you know <laughs> that he had the fifth best defensive Pippum in the NBA last season? Oh, baby. I he like that. He is very, very gifted defensively. He, he was kind of a disappointment at the outset of his NBA career. Uh, coming out of college, he was supposed to be a lot better, mm-hmm. but – Man, he is really flipping the switch on, you know, kind of silencing the doubters. Um, he's a great defensive piece. And if I were the Bulls, man, he's the type of guy you need on that team. Yeah. He's kind of like a glue guy. Um, but if the Lakers can find a way to get Chris Dunn in a Laker uniform and have him play excellent defense, maybe, you know, in the second unit, run him with Dennis Schroeder. That that's a good compliment right there because Chris Dunn's not a, a negative offensively. He's just he's so gifted defensively that it would really work in that second unit. Now he's not a good three point shooter. Does that concern you? No, it doesn't because Schroeder is a solid three point shooter, and the Lakers have enough shooting around that to be able to get that done. That's true. I'm trying to look. Let's see here. Um, I don't think he's actually valued him so. So um, John Hollinger of The Athletic does like free agent values, how much he thinks everyone's going to make. And he does not, I don't, he didn't do the um, the Chris Dunn value. I think it's, he ex- probably expected them. This was posted like two weeks ago. Probably expected them to, you know, bring him back. Um, yeah, I expected them to. I, I'm very surprised because it's, it was a low dollar figure. I think it was 6 million. Yeah, I think if they get another good wing shooter, like we mentioned, you know, Wesley Matthews or any of those kind of players, I would love that because then you have, you know, defensive guards in Chris Dunn and, you know, Alex Caruso are kind of your defensive specialty uh, specialists. Uh, not, you know, I know you love Caruso, but he's not an elite offensive player. I don't think that's, you know, uh, controversial to say, um, but Excuse you have me? them. <laughs> Excuse me, he's elite at everything. You have them, then you have, you know, Schroeder. And KCP, if he comes back, like we mentioned, and then a wing like a Wesley Matthews or, you know, whoever else we mentioned, a Mo Harkless, whatever the case may be. Maybe it's Wesley Matthews and Mo Harkless kind of playing the three. Then you got, you know, maybe Chris Dunn starting, you know, because he's a point guard who doesn't need the ball. You know, the whole thing is LeBron, you know, kind of needs the ball. Maybe Chris Dunn starts, you know, shooter off the bench, Caruso, whatever. I like it. I do like it. I think defense wins championships. And I think, you know, if they're not going to get that third star, might as well stack up on elite defensive players. So, Mm mm-hmm. I like that a lot. And, uh, you know, for if we're going to be losing Avery Bradley, I think Chris Dunn fits that role uh, very, very well. Probably on a cheap contract, too. Um, kind of that combo guard that's just a defensive specialist. I mean, Avery Bradley brings a lot more to the table than uh, Dunn does on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at, at the price point that you would probably get done, I think that's a great fit for the Lakers. Yeah, for sure. And then every time uh, the Lakers are beating a team in the playoffs next year, we could tell them that they have the Chris Dunn chain. So I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Um, Do we need to get a Chris Dunn and Kendrick Nunn backcourt? Oh, for the Lakers? yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If Chris Dunn doesn't go to the Lakers, <laughs> I want him. If he doesn't None go done. to the Lakers, he has to go to the Miami Heat because that would just be great. Um, yes. I think with all this, though, you know, with the Nets potentially getting hard in, with the Bucks getting their pieces <laughs> – it's so funny that the Clippers so far have been standing pat. Um, it'll be so hilarious if they like don't improve at all. Um, and they really yeah. think that Tyrone Lubing, the head coach, is going to be a big difference. Yeah, um, let's run it back. <laughs> with Tyrone Lou, yeah, what a great coach. The same coach that we made fun of you know, when he was linked to the Lakers last year. I remember seeing so many Clipper fans like, really, you want Tyrone Lou? 
Um, yep. So funny. Uh, with the Warriors getting healthy, you know, the Blazers just got better with a huge piece that we mentioned, you know, Covington. Um, they already got a great backcourt. And if they get hot with a, with a wing player like Covington who could stop a LeBron or who could stop, you know, whatever the case may be, or Kawhi Leonard, like, you know, that they could be even scarier. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, if they make any sort of move, I know they've been rumored for some big moves, and Jamal Murray is only going to get a year better. Um, the Rockets are going to get worse. But there's a lot of teams getting better. The Dallas Mavericks are going to get better with Luka being a year better. Um, even the teams that aren't making improvements with assets, they're going to make improvements internally. And it just, you know, it. the Lakers need to they need to get better this offseason. We still don't know exactly what they're going to do. We've mentioned the players they're linked to. I think the final thing to tell the listeners is, Hope that the Lakers improve. I hope you know. Hope that this isn't a net, you know, a net neutral, whatever. Like where they they are the same talent wise going out of the off season that they were going into it. Because yes, they're the defending champions, but that might not be good enough. Um, they do need to get better. They've already made one great move in Schroeder. They've already been connected to the right pieces. Um, it's looking good, but the Lakers need to get better. They need to not you know just go you know laterally. They need to improve, especially now knowing that Giannis might not be a target next summer. So I think that's Absolutely. the message to leave the listeners with root for improvement. And if any big news happens, if any, you know, big trade, whatever Kyle Kuzma gets traded, <laughs> we didn't mention this, but can you believe he deactivated his Twitter account? Genie <laughs> <laughs> bus probably told him, Hey man, pack your bags. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Kuzma, man. Cause I, I feel like in his mind, he really does think he's like this all NBA potential forward. I really yeah, do think he, he thinks probably that. does. He uh, dresses like it. <laughs> Um, we'll be back at you if there's any big news. I'm sure we'll be back later in the week. Uh, Daniel will be back from Syracuse. He'll be in California. Safe travels to Daniel. Um, maybe you, potentially an in-person uh, recording session if we could plan that out. That would be fun. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, in the meantime, go Lakers.